listening to Searching for Grog. I'm your host, Adam Passion, and I'm joined by the other hosts. We have Evan Passion, we have Brandon Passion, and we got Andrew Passion. Hey, everybody. What up, dudes? So, guys, this time, if you guys remember, like, way back in the beginning of the show, when we didn't really know where to go for information, I just sort of tried to reach out to every, you know, everybody who I knew who was involved in the game directly. So I asked the sound team, you know, I asked the programmers, and I asked the, uh, the art team and stuff like that, or at least I tried to get a hold of them, but it was very challenging and I only really got a hold of one or two people. So, but there's all these emails that are just out there, like lingering still, you know, in the, in the, in the nether regions. <laughs> that means you're asked, doesn't it? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I think so. What kind of emails are you sending? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're out there in the, in the, you the, know, the cloud somewhere. Ether. In the cloud. And every once in a while, I'll just occasionally get a hit. So um, the one that came in this time was a really exciting one. I got a hit from I, you know, I got I got an email back from Asano Yuji. So if you guys remember, he is credited for Design Works and credited as Y dot Asano. So that's actually probably the only person in those credits who's properly credited for what he actually did. Um, <laughs> But design works could really be anything. So I asked him about that, and he was the person who did all of the artwork for the game. And so I kind of um, wanted to tell you guys a little bit about what he was involved in, and I, I had the pleasure of actually sitting down and talking with him, and Hi, konnichiwa. it was just really cool. All the stuff that he remembers and um, talking about the game experience and stuff. For example, he was there when they were doing the location testing for X-Men. So he went to Chicago. It was like him... Uh, a programmer, and I think Inoue-san, who we already talked to. And it was really cool just hearing the stories. Like, you know, they came with basically a finished game. They put it there in the arcade. And then initially, for example, uh, you would get one power-up per quarter. Super weapon えっと、どういう出し方にするかっていうので、もうなんか25セント、25セントでもう1回スーパーウェポンとかでいいじゃないか。<笑> And they put it in the arcade and then people played and then they'd hear people being like, oh, I need more mutant powers. So then they'd go back to the Chicago office. Change the programming a little bit, come back the next day and they'd be like, all right, now you have three mutant powers, you know, and then their guy's like, oh, it's too easy. You just have these mutant powers. Okay, well, now it takes life away. So there's kind of a little fun little stories like that about it. But um, yeah, so... That's kind of what I want to do is talk to you a little bit about that and, pl and play some clips for you for about, um, you know, the conversation that I had with uh, Asano-san. Yeah, let's hear it. So one thing I think you guys will probably agree that makes this game really stand out compared to other games of the time, including even other brawlers made by Konami, was like how animated the characters are and like how how unique each character is. You know, like even like Ninja Turtles, they basically are four identical sprites with different colored bandanas but in this one like they don't just look different but they 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 move and feel like totally different things you know nightcrawler's like crawling around on all fours and colossus has like his um 
moves where he grabs somebody by the head and throws them or puts them in a headlock, which I found out is actually called a coconut crush. Coconut crush とかやってましたもんね。またにこはさん、えいってみたいな。Um, but yeah, like each character has like a totally different way of moving and stuff. And I think that's really unique, you know, compared to other games of the time. And that was definitely a very, very, there's a specific reason for that. And that's because Asano、uh, was originally an animator. So he got his start working on TV animation, you know, drawing、um, for pretty popular shows. And so that was, that was how he got his start in the, in the world of entertainment. And I, I guess as he was doing that, he kind of realized that it was like not a very happy existence being an animator at that time in Tokyo. ただまああのすごいなんか孤独な感じでね東京に一人で住んでアニメをただただただなんか絵をしこしこ描いて。He was working these crazy hours, coming home, go to sleep and wake up and do more crazy hours and ほとんど一日誰も会うこともなく家に戻ってって寝てまた戻って書くっていう。You know, without talking to anybody any, at all during the day. And it was just this really kind of lonely, meager existence and he didn't want to keep doing that. それがちょっとなんかこ,うこのまま、このまま行っていいのかなっていうちょっと疑問があって。So he started looking for other work and at that time the video game industry was pretty small、um, still. まあ、当時はまだゲーム業界がまだそんなにメジャーな業界じゃなくて。And it had kind of a bad reputation or like the, the kind of image of video games in the public's eye was not very good at the time. あんまりなんかイメージも良くなかったんですよ、今みたいに。And so there was a bunch of video game companies just looking to recruit anybody who could draw. まあそこでなんか何社か、台東とかアイレムとかっていうところがまあなんかこう絵を描ける人募集みたいなことしてたので、すっとそこになんか入り込んだ感じです。And so he, you know, was kind of just looking for a new job, and that's how he ended up in that industry.、Um, you know, he kind of he said, you know, he was a fan of, you know, Famicom, which is family computer, Nintendo of, you know, in, in Japan. And so he saw like a baseball game and he thought, that art looks pretty simple, like compared to animation. It's probably pretty easy to do, you know. <laughs> so he、uh, kind of made that transition into, into video games, and so that's how he got involved in Konami. But I think he soon realized that, like, even though it's simple, like the drawings are a bit more crude or there's not as many drawings per frame or per second, you know, there's a whole lot of other complications, you know. So, for example, he told me that, you know, the entire thing has to fit on like 32 megabytes of, of ROM because it's so, the ROM is so lim- limited. <laughs> So, there's not much that he could afford to do as far as like anything complicated with the animation, you know. Thinking of that, like how, how the entire thing has to fit into 32 megabytes, seems crazy when you think about the scale of the animation of 
Colossus and all those guys, like how much they're moving and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. It's kind of wild to think about that. Um, especially, I mean, the art looks pretty polished to me, you know, in my opinion, but yeah. Um, and then also, you know, like his process at that time, you know, when he's drawing animation, he can just sit there and draw it on, you know, paper and then they'll trace it on celluloid and stuff. But in this case, he knew that like, for example, one sprite is 128 pixels by 128 pixels. So he would mark off basically like a frame on a piece of paper. Draw the character he wants to draw, scan it in in that really primitive like scanners from the 90s. で、それを当時の本当なんかこう低解像度しかスキャンできないスキャナーでこう取り込んでやってましたね。Wow. then he would put it into the software that Konami had developed specifically for their stuff because there wasn't like Photoshop and stuff for people to be using like readily. So he put it in this and then basically placed the pixels one by one. で、それを 16色ですから、とりあえず全部黒の輪郭線の中、なんかあれですね、全部ピクセルに落としていって、あと着色していくっていう、そういう流れでした。So like instead of drawing, he's literally just like dropping pixels over the line work one by one. もうドットで書くというよりはもう置く感じでしたね。もうプチプチプチプチって押しながら作ってるような感じで、もうこんな今みたいにこう書いたりするような感じではない。Wow. <laughs> Painstaking. Yeah, exactly. And that's for like one version of the sprite, right? Each sprite has yeah. probably 30 to 50 versions or whatever. So <laughs> And and this is after he just quit his uh animation job for being too tedious. <laughs> As he placed each pixel, he just kind of like pinched himself, like I really should have just kept drawing. <laughs> I think I fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but that was the kind of process that he got into when he was there, and I think he just kind of learned it on the fly, to be honest, because there wasn't like a course that you could take that time at that time to like you know how to make digital art, and I think everybody probably had their own. You know, Konami had something called. Pigs or something like that. Konami got scutta, Tojapa Pigus, Tutandis, Makuhachi base no, eh, Konami no, so no, Gizutu no Tokoro got scutta hard or docking Sasiatemas. And they made their own hardware that interfaced with the computers, so yeah. Um, but anyway, he joined it at like the perfect time because he joined Konami right as they were working on TMNT. So that was his first project, was TMNT. TMNTがえっと私がコナミに入って初めて関わった仕事で、and you can tell like the animation on that one is really good too. You know, it's it's super like playful. Their eyes bug out and all that kind of stuff. Um, so so yeah, that that one came out right then, and it was a huge hit, as you guys know. And Konami was like, we've got to make another hit. We've got to make another one like this. TMNTはご存知だと思うんですけど、ま、すごいヒットヒットして、で、コナミの方でやっぱりその二番戦時っていうかそのなんか。And they wanted to capture that American market because if you sell a game in America, it's you know ten times what it makes here in Japan. 海外アメリカで売れるとやっぱりなんか桁が違うほど儲かるっていう感じだったんで。So their 
team, their foreign sales team, which is, I, I told you that guy, uh, Hiraoka son was the main guy. He's just like grabbing up licenses wherever he can and like saying, let's make this, let's make this, you know, throwing them at the team here. And when X-Men came across the table, it seemed like the perfect thing for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, you know, the TMNT was like a four-player game and it sold so well. えっと、遊べるっていうので、ま、そこからの流れでなんかやっぱり他人数プレイはもう儲かるぞみたいなインカムがすごいぞみたいな話になっていた時に、and so they looked at this part of the X-Men tape and they're like it's got six characters. So we could make a six-player game. X-Menのその、ま、海外営業部が持ってきたX-Menのパイロットフィルムがま、ちょうどプレイ6人だったんですね。その、ま、例のダズラーとかまで含めて。And it just seemed like the natural progression like if four sold better than two, six will sell better than four. You know? Sure. <laughs> and um, so it seemed like a perfect thing, but also, you know, at this time, I mean, American comics were not popular here in Japan at all, but he knew about it because that Pride of the X-Men tape was actually animated by Toei Animation here in Japan. And at that time, if, I don't know if you guys are aware of the comic book Fist of the North Star. No. Are you? No. Not me. Okay. No. It's like a, it's like a super violent, super. I, I recommend it. It's very, very fun. Um, it's basically the setting is you're in a world where everybody's really, really awful, terrible person. So any violence you use is justified. And so it's like the ultimate male fantasy where like you, are righteously. Like you know, destroying other people <laughs> and violence huh. and stuff. So, so it's anyway. said. In, so it's said in Florida. You're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that the American title is "Stand Your Ground." <laughs> <laughs> Don't tread on me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No step on snake. So, um, anyway, so yeah, this uh, this team that made you know, Fist of the North Star made this pilot for the Pride of the X-Men. And in fact, if you guys look it up on online, there is a character in Fist of the North Star called Raoul, R-A-O-U-H maybe. And he looks exactly like Magneto. And in fact, it was the same guy who kind of drew both of them and made them look really similar. So... He like has like a big purple cape and a red suit and this big helmet and uh <laughs> it's it's kind of a funny coincidence. So anyway, so so Asanao-san was really excited actually to draw this because he liked the style of X-Men. He liked he loved Fist of the North Star, so he was excited um for the game. So um yeah so they so they made this you know really really killer game but it's really interesting hearing him talk about it from the perspective from the japanese perspective because first of all there was actually sort of a battle in the company over whether they should do a four player or a six player なんかその、なんかその営業の方が揉めたらしいんですよ。So 
Inoue-san, who we talked about, he was really into this idea of making it a six-player. And, you know, as far as he even went and got the patent for that six, you know, the double monitor. But, yeah, if you think about it in financial terms, like a four-player game, you can literally just make a PC board that you can swap in and out. And then change the marquee and some decals for the sides, and you have a cheap X-Men game for, you know, that, that has almost no production costs. And for the vendors themselves who are buying these things, it's, you know, a super like, efficient way to do it. So that was really popular at the time, these kits. Yeah. We talked about that with Trog, right? There yeah, were like yeah, kits, and then right. there was standalone cabinets. And so they wanted to just do the four player game because it's such, there's no overhead and it's such an easy thing to do. But, you know, they were like, no, look at this six one. You know, when they did it in playtest, literally they carried the machine in, put it down, and as soon as it was plugged in, everybody flocked over to it and just started dropping their quarters immediately. ま、あの、シカゴのジャストフォーファンっていうそのま、コナミがずっと使っ、えっと、ロケテストで使ってたゲームセンターがあるんですけど、ま、そこに運び込んだ時はもう瞬間的に人が集まってきて、で、25セント
コナミ版の X メンっていうのは本当に何でしょうね。まだアメコミとかもまだ日本で全然ブームになってないというか全然わからなかった頃に作ったやつなので。And in Japan, they never really had specialized cabinets. It was a standard cabinet for everything and they just swapped in boards. So、um, for that reason, it wasn't that popular here. It just kind of disappeared you know, off the radar. But also, Capcom, if you guys know, if you guys remember, Came and got the rights immediately after this game came out. And their game, especially like, you know, X Men versus Street Fighter and stuff like that, those were huge here because they had characters that people knew, Capcom characters. Oh, yeah. And so, so for the people who made this game, the developers, from their perspective, it was not a big hit. You know, Capcom came and stole the rights and got this better, all this better stuff out there, or the stuff that sold better. And for them, they didn't see how much it was. Taking off in America, you know. やっぱり X メンはなんかやっぱカプコンの方がやっぱりもう今やもうメジャーっていうかねなんかこう残ってるんで。That's so fascinating. If they just would have come to the、yeah. Pismo Arcade, they would have seen. They would have seen. I know. <laughs> that, that Neptune's Grotto or whatever the hell it was called. <laughs> was Marvel vs. Capcom a four player? No, I think it was two. Two. It's one、okay. on one. That's right. Yeah, it wouldn't、yeah. make any sense to play for you, right? Although you do get buddies, like you get tag teamers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I think that's why I got confused because you could call in somebody, which I, I loved. But that's so yeah, fascinating yeah. to know that it, yeah, the X Men wouldn't have succeeded. I wonder if it was a little bit of the, you know, just kind of the shift in preference towards those fighting games, too, where it wasn't necessarily、mm-hmm. all that, you know, that people weren't. Loving the X Men as much as it was, you know, Street Fighter was so hot that that just kind of took over. And if it wasn't a fighting game,、um, that those brawlers kind of were on, on the tail end of their popularity,、um, especially in Japan, it sounds like where Street Fighter was, you know, somehow even more massive than it was here. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. It's kind of funny thinking that it sold off the back of Street Fighter and not off the back of X Men, which、yeah. in America would have been maybe the opposite. But, well, I guess where my head goes to is it, it's still alive and well today. It's like people love kicking their friend's ass more than playing along with them. You know, like there's not many co op games that are that popular, but like Call of Duty is the biggest hit still, what, like 20 years in. And like people just love kicking their friend's ass. Like that's, that's the takeaway in my head. <laughs> I guess if you're, if you're somewhat evenly paired, I remember when GoldenEye came out on this N64 and we didn't have an N64, but Evan did. And so we played GoldenEye at his house and he was so much better that it wasn't any fun. And he's like, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll use the steering wheel and the gas pedal for like need for speed. And you use the controllers. And he still beat me. <laughs> I, have, I vividly remember that, setting up the steering wheel. So you'd, like, you'd use the one pedal to go forward and one pedal to shoot. <laughs> and you still killed me, man. <sighs> oh, man. So, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, it's kind of interesting to hear that perspective from the Konami side. But、um, even so, like, he has very, very fond memories of the game.、Um, but it was kind of, you know, like I said, because these comics were not known and X Men were not known here, it was kind of a difficult task for them to make this game. You know, basically, the, the sales team came in with this one video cassette of Pride of the X Men. He's like, hey, 
turn this into a game. So, so no video no naio tskate donna game o tsukrelka te utorogama mission no saisho no starto de stane. So that was what they had to do. So they're sitting there and watching it over and over again. But there were some things that they got really, really stuck on. You know, first of all, like, how do we populate the background with all these different bad guys? Like, the, the tape itself has like five or six bad guys, and that's it. And so they have to try to figure out who to put in. And so,、um, actually, what ended up happening is Asan and Osan told the foreign sales team, he was like, You guys just get some comics every month, send them to me, and I need some more material. で海外営業部からコミック、えー、とアメコミを月に何冊かずつぐらい送ってもらってきてでそれで雑魚的になりそうなものとかボスになりそうなやつをみんなで読んで探してったんですよ。And so he would get these stacks of comic books every month and like flip through them and if he saw some little character you know off in the corner with no lines at all he'd be like alright that guy's gonna be you know this crocodile man or you know that <laughs> or、yeah. This is going to be the little catfish dude who spits dirt at you or whatever the <laughs> hell that dude is.、And, um, so, actually, all those characters come from the comic books somewhere. You know,、um, He didn't make anything originally of his own.、Um, But I'm sure they're all from different stories and different timelines. And so that's why it's kind of this mishmash because、um, right. it's just whatever he could get his hands on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So he would just find a character and say, All right, I want to use this. He would write to the foreign. Uh, sales team, he'd be like, find out who this dude is and if I can use him, and they would contact Marvel. And it was like nobody really cared about the licensing and copyrights at that time, so they're like, all right, yeah, go ahead, use it. えっとね当時は緩かったんですよだからあんまり判件もともう今だと考えられないんですけどもうゆるゆるでもう勝手に作ってはい、どうぞみたいな感じでしたね、あの時は。<笑> so that's why there's all these weird, weird creatures like Nimrod and stuff in there. But,、um... Yeah. It also makes you appreciate、um, how perfect Ninja Turtles would have been, where like in the comics and in the show, there are just like endless streams of faceless ninjas that all look the same. You know, like the Foot、mm-hmm. Clan is, is perfect. Like every other brawler has to just kind of like. Have a bunch of street toughs that all look exactly the same or have like a different color vest. <laughs> but,、yeah. but like, you know, in the game, like, this is ridiculous. I'm beating up the same dude over and over and over.、Um, but Ninja、right. Turtles is so perfect for that because they actually always are fighting a bunch of guys in the same costume. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a genius, ingenious way to make the story, I guess. Because、yeah. <laughs> for the animators, too, for the show, it's like, All right, just draw 30 of these dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to have a lot of creativity. If, like, if one guy's a different color, then you know he's like the boss or has a different, a different weapon. But besides that, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And when you think about that in terms of X Men, like, it's, I mean, they use Sentinels to that effect, you know, to a certain extent. But、um, yeah, I mean, like, They're all the all the weird little dudes, like the flowers, because there are weird little characters that come out, out of nowhere, like the bee, weird bug things, and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, another thing that they got really stuck on, which I hadn't really thought about in years, but it's something that always kind of I found amusing as a kid was the mutant powers. Like, Colossus does not shoot beams of energy out when he changes his <laughs> metal skin, yeah, and Wolverine does not shoot out. Energy when he retracts or like when he pulls out his claws. I remember talking to Boonie about that when we were kids. He was like, No, Wolverine is like 
hitting his claws together so fast it's shooting out this <laughs> you know, energy. Yeah. Bro, that was because that was because in all the comic books and in even in the cartoon, whenever he hits anything, it shows like a little spark. Yeah. So I wasn't off. Well, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true, actually. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I, I, that might not be true. But in the game, he definitely goes, pew, pew, right. Yeah. Even Nightcrawler, so, like, he just normally just teleports. He's like, he's not supposed to zip around, and then his teleporting is somehow hurting the right. things he's teleporting through. I guess maybe he's, like, teleporting, punching him real quick, and teleporting away. But, um, but yeah, you're right. The powers don't really match up. I mean, some of them do, but the, those three that you mentioned don't really match up with with anything that is based in the comics at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what he said is, you know, like Cyclops and Dazzler are fine. They shoot straight forward. Cyclops Storm is sort of easier to figure out and she shoots a tornado, it's okay. But like Wolverine, Nightcrawler and Colossus, it's like, how do we make these into a special move? <laughs> you know? まあ、ストームなんかまあ、割と割りやりやすい方でしたけど、あとやっぱナイトクローラーとかウルバリンとか、まあ、コロッサスなんかに関してはこれって何どうどうするんだみたいな話で、散々話し合ったのを覚えて
まあ割とその時は日常茶飯事でしたよね。So that's not unreasonable, like it's a totally reasonable solution. I mean, not solution, a、um, suggestion. And he said that there are actually two guys in the foreign sales department, two American dudes, who they would kind of frequently ask for voice work for different things. 海外営業部になんか外国人の方が2人いたんですよ。で、まあ、その2人もなんかたまになんか借り出されてたような記憶はありますけども。Oh. And so, unfortunately, he couldn't remember the name of these guys. Of course not. <laughs> Damn it. But, but I'm going to try to rack his brain and other people who I've talked to you know, from the team and see if they can remember who these guys might have been.、Um, he did say that their voices don't seem kind of bassy enough to do a Colossus roar, but they might have done the other ones. I don't know. ただそんなにコロッサスの声ができるほどのぶ,のぶとい声ではなかったような。That's what he had to say about that. And about the mission in general,、um, yeah, he just said, what a crazy mission. <laughs> すごいミッションですね。<laughs> so he kind of wished us luck. But、um, yeah, it's just really cool, like getting a chance to talk. Like if you had told 10 year old me, I would talk to the guy who actually did all the artwork for this. And he did like all the artwork. Like, I don't know if he did all the backgrounds, but he did all six of the main characters. He did all the bad guys. He did the giant sentinel.、Um, he did like the title screen where everybody comes out and stuff. All of that stuff he drew as a kind of a one man job. And I, I just can't imagine what that workload would have taken like back then. You mean you heard what his process was? So. Right. Whether he liked it or not. <laughs> but I mean, the result is it, it looks great. I mean, You、yeah. know, you compare that to the, the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo games we were playing at the time, and those all feel so flat. And, like, you know, you're playing a flat video game character, and, you know, you can see the, the sharp edges. But, man, playing that X Men game felt like you were, the comic book was coming to life. Like, they, they feel like they、Absolutely. have movement and depth. And when they turn their back to you to, like, punch the enemy on the ground. You know,、mm-hmm. um, and like you said, they, they move differently. Like Colossus, you feel the weight of him walking and you feel the, the lightness of, of Nightcrawler kind of zipping around. Like it, it's a really great result, especially when, I mean, if you compare it to the, the latest game that came out, you know, it, it maybe not doesn't hold up to that standard. But at the time, it, it, I think that was one of the reasons why the arcade was so appealing. Like those games felt like you were in the cartoon. Um, instead of, you know, I'm watching a flat game and I'm controlling the character and it's still cool, but, but the look of those games is really, really great. Yeah. Which is crazy considering that they didn't know at all what they were making. Like, none of the production team knew anything about X Men at all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I, I mean, he, he even mentioned, like, if, I, if we had known better, we wouldn't have put Dazzler in. You know, we would have put somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that、But、makes sense. That's a lot all they knew because they had just this one video cassette, right? So, <laughs> well, anyway, guys, so like I said, this doesn't really get us further towards our mission, but what it does is it kind of, you know, it, it's just like in the, in the beginning of the show, we talked about how this was, the, the mission was going to be this kind of low key side mission thing, and the main thing was going to be us talking about our memories of the game. and... Picking the memories of the creators. So I think we've, this definitely goes towards the main goal of the show, if not our side mission, which has become the main one. <laughs> Bro, who do you think we would have, or anybody, who do you think we would have picked as the six? 
Ooh, as the six. Oof. Uh, I, well, I would have chosen the lineup from the show, so I would have Gambit. I would have chosen Gambit, Rogue, Storm, Cyclops, Wolverine, Beast. I wouldn't have put Jubilee in. No Nightcrawler, huh? You wouldn't choose Cyclops? Nightcrawler Nightcrawler wasn't on the show. I mean, not That's really. True. He came on once in a while, but... That's true. Yeah, so what did I say? So it's Cyclops, Wolverine. So definitely Cyclops, Wolverine, Beast, yeah. Gambit, Rogue, Storm. Yeah, that's a good lineup. I think, uh, yeah, I think Gene Beast Ray. would be a good addition. I always loved Beast. Um, I was also a fan of Beast. But yeah, Colossus is, I, I always have this, this soft spot for Colossus, but I think it really does stem from the game. Yeah, um, yeah. More than anything, but it it is hard to imagine the game with, without Colossus in there. Um, Very but much he's so, not, yeah. but he's not a, you know, when you're listing the the top X-Men, he probably isn't in the top six. Um <laughs> But yeah, Gambit would have been a great addition into that. I don't know. You know, now that I, I take back what I said, though, because I don't know if I would have. You can't not have the original four. You can't not. Well, I guess you, I skipped Jean Grey and I skipped Iceman. And yeah. I skipped Angel. Never Angel, mind. yeah. <laughs> yeah Angel. All the good ones you missed. <laughs> <laughs> take that back. But uh, yeah, you can't not have Cyclops, I guess. But I mean, like. It, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of maybe I would have put in Iceman and, and Archangel, not Angel, but Archangel. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's a good question. I, I was actually thinking something similar um, when we we talked a few episodes ago. You were talking about um, Sunset Riders and then the the games that were sort of the spiritual successors to that. Um, and I didn't. I never connected with Sunset Riders like I did with X Men because I think I only played it like on a, a Nintendo port. Um, so mm-hmm. I didn't have that arcade connection, but um, having played it at Mini Boss and then kind of played those other successors to it, it would be a gr- that would make a great format for an X Men game where you throw like Gambit, Iceman, um, Storm, like any and Cyclops, like anyone who has like a shooting kind of ability, and you throw oh, yeah. them in a Sunset Riders kind of because then you can constant like Cyclops can constantly be blasting. And like they can be using their mutant powers oh, the yeah. way that you use the guns and sunset riders. I think there's yeah. a great, you know, there, there would have been a great format of a game there, but you lose Wolverine. Who's kind of the, probably the big money. Unless he, he can shoot his claws. Like I, yeah, unless thought. you, unless you hire Brandon to explain the science <laughs> of his, his claw sparks. He shoots out adamantium, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Well, so the, the, I mean, it's the 30 year anniversary of this game and you know, they just made that Shredder's Revenge, like a totally different team, just kind of made an homage to Konami Turtle games. Now's the perfect time for somebody to make that, you know, yeah. like that X-Men game where they're doing that. So true. A whole, like a, develop a whole new game. And and if it's Digital Eclipse who does all these old, like tribute to old games, they can actually put a documentary section where Brandon is saying, and this is where he sparks, <laughs> yeah. he shoots sparks and Antimanti. Now this may be confusing. Yeah. You may be thinking, what is he shooting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so Gambit's not in the game because he would just charge the Earth and blow it up. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you do Obby. if you did put Ro- Rogue in the game? What would she do? How would she? <laughs> She'd be like Kirby. She'd suck up. <laughs> yeah, just suck up someone and then steal their power. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh man, Rogue versus Kirby. That'd be a good battle. <laughs> What's what's that uh, what's that stream you're always telling me about, Adam? I wonder if that's one of the two characters that have 
have uh, competed. Oh yeah, salty bets. I'm sure salty there's been bets. at least one Kirby versus Rogue bet battle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are now. Um, next time we'll all kind of get back together and talk about where we are with our with our other mission and uh, the homework that all of us have. Sweet. Nice. Yeah, love hearing about the the people who make this game anytime we can hear from someone who is involved in it it's it's kind of special when you actually think about it yeah yeah i totally agree i never thought we'd get this far honestly to like talk to the dudes who are who made it you know it's it's awesome so how far did you think we were going to get norton Uh, about like episode one or two where we were talking about searching the web maybe talking to a few (laughs) outside folks i didn't have much on google i gave up exactly (laughs) Sorry, yeah, we did. We did kind of start this season like a, maybe we'll do a couple episodes. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's true. That's you true. know, we've like doubled up season one already. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just because I think I don't think we realized how uh, how difficult <laughs> the the task we were taking on really was. Or yeah, yeah. or how welcoming some people would be either. You know, because I think we definitely met some great people in our trog segment. But it seems like everyone we've talked to, almost everybody has been so game to work with us and just like reminisce, especially now knowing how little they even cared for it, the game itself, because it didn't succeed in their eyes. But it's really cool to hear that they still have all these fun memories of it. That's that's true. Although the Japanese people that I've talked to so far, they are not easy to get. It takes a whole lot of coaxing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you're trying to explain the premise of our podcast. And he's like, what the hell? This has to be a yeah. scam. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> You're trying to steal my identity. I don't know how, but <laughs> Bro, do you think that a uh if if uh we hired like a private investigator that that he would do any better than you've done? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Maybe if he's I don't know next. I don't know if yeah. they'd be commi- as committed as you have been. Oh, definitely not. Maybe not. I don't yeah, I don't know what else you could do except if you had the resources to maybe get like to go knock on people's doors physically. Um <laughs> but other than that, like there's not much else. I mean, we've exhausted <laughs> every well, every guys... avenue possible that's not, you know, literally finding someone in person. You guys yeah. just wait until the next episode when you hear about the lengths that Evan went to to get a hold of our guy Steve. Like <laughs> You, yeah, little, it, little, it is, yeah, little teaser it, it's for like that. Borderline right? creepy, yeah. So you guys just wait for that. <laughs> Can't wait. I, I'm not even borderline. I remove that. It's just creepy, yeah. but you, you guys will like it. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm probably on a list somewhere now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, talk to you guys next time. You've been listening to Searching for Grog, a podcast about fuzzy memories, family mysteries, and the video games that tie them all together. A huge thanks goes out to Yuji Asano for coming on the show and talking about your memories, and for creating the artwork for this incredible game in the first place. If you like the show, please tell a friend, and like, subscribe, and comment all those things that bump us up in the algorithm. Our music is by Captive Portal. This episode and everything that we do is dedicated to the memory of our Nana Barbara Belangi and our cousin Alyssa Gunn Maldonado. <laughs>